Hi, I'm Jeremy. I'm a dork living in Portland, Oregon, who spent too many years listening to podcasts and not doing anything creative. This is my attempt to rectify that, to create and contribute something where I talk to people about their cultural obsessions and try to give some recommendations of my own. Welcome to Giving the Mic to the Wrong Person. And there we go. Even though I turned on I turned on the recorder 20 minutes ago, which means it's going to be like 20 minutes of an audio file of <laughs> banging crap around. <laughs> oh, sweet. But that's the 20 minutes I want, because that was when I was doing my sweet radio announcer. WKRP in Cincinnati. Thanks. Excellent. That was a show on television, right? Yes. Broadcast television? I watched it at Nick at Night. Oh, oh fuck. Oh, hey, what's the uh, swearing policy? <laughs> uh, we encourage it. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Right. No worries. Um... I think I'm trying to remember. I think the last thing that one of the last things that um, what was this guy's name was it was Len Nyman, the guy who played Les Nessman. Yeah, yeah. The but the actor. I think the, the last thing I remember him doing or seeing him in was as a voice in Day of the Tentacle. Oh my God! It's from my old friend Green Tentacle. He says that Purple Tentacles mutated into an insane genius, and Doctor Fred's going to kill them both. Because he, vo- which was one of the. Um, mm. Oh God, the game that came out 24 years ago. Hmm. As God is my witness, I thought those turkeys could fly. And it's got, <laughs> yeah, the, the also the also curious thing about the show being that um, it was an era where um, Lonnie Anderson was supposed to be the hot one, right? And you watch it now, and it's what's her name? Well, yeah, yeah, it's Jan. Yeah, but you watch it now, and it's like what kind of what perverse pop culture mindset where we're in as a country where the uh, um you know lady who with like the almost like poodle hair like uh not what well, up except well not quite the eight early but it's like the like the the uh the bouffant hair yeah. and the almost in the tan and the so tanned of almost like hulk hogan levels right was like the hot ditzy one like oh yeah, and then and then we have like the ner- you know the really hot nerdy chick. Except she's got it's an eighties thing and she's got glasses. So right. gross. Yeah, God forbid. Yeah. Hi everyone, you are listening to in in media res conversation here on giving the mic to the wrong person. I am your erstwhile host, Jeremy. I am here with a couple of guests who graciously um, afforded some of their Thursday evening to come on over to our lovely basement apartment studios and talk about life and times from the front, uh, working the front uh, in the the world that is the the Portland comic shop. Um, Introduce yourselves if you would. Uh, hello, my name is Merrick, and I work at Bridge City Comics. Hi, I'm <laughs> I'm Michael Ring. I own Bridge City Comics, and Merrick is our manager. I am, and I am the owner. And and you uh, also kind of work there. Yeah, no, I kind of work there. Yes, I do work there. Yeah. I do a lot there. You do. Just not a lot in front of the register. And behind the scenes. Behind the scenes. The but puppet master. once upon a time, it was all you. Holy fuck. Yes. I'm glad those days are done. And you get to witness the... Uh, the Witness the transformation that is uh, North Mississippi firsthand. Holy Ugh. shit, man. Yeah. From having people threaten to burn down my store. What? You, I've told you that story a hundred times. A hundred? No. The guy. One hundred and one. One hundred and one. Jeremy, <laughs> do you want to feel free? Okay. Let me just check something here while you are talking. So it was in our first year, and Mississippi Avenue was a much different place. Yeah. Um, 
it was there was a lot of gentrification gentrification talk a lot, a lot of longtime residents who were definitely feeling the push of rising rents rising real estate prices um and the street must have been a lot more sparse back then not as many buildings not the same buildings that exist now yeah and a lot of you know boarded up storefronts things mm. like that um and we were in the Mississippi Commons, where our store is located. That was a, I believe it was an old factory, or an old paint factory, or something mm. like that. The the lore goes, mm -hmm. and we were the second business to open in that in 2005. Um, it had just been renovated. They were trying to rent it out. There was a women's clothing store called Pin Me Apparel on the mm -hmm. corner where Bishops is now, where the space they occupy. And then we had opened. Um, and slowly, places were starting to filter in, and, and um, I had a guy <laughs> come in, and it was it was an interesting conversation, because he was uh, making a point that I should be hiring black people from the neighborhood to work in the store, mm -hmm. which, you know, not an unvalid point or invalid point at all, but it was our first year, and I don't think we had any employees, <laughs> and I was, yeah. you know, nobody was coming in, and, you know, any business you know first time business in a up and coming really up and coming neighborhood um and he had said that i'm trying to I'm trying to phrase this in a way because i can't say the word right nor would i want to say the word but um a bunch of black people from California are going to come up and burn my shit down and my insurance money will not save me, was basically what he said. Oh. And then he had asked me to be part of a DVD that he was recording about gentrification in Mississippi. <laughs> and I was like, are you out of your fucking mind? So he, he threatened you and then asked you to participate in the discussion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. Oh, by the way, uh, we'll have cameras here next week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he gave me his card and I... And I told him, like, you realize, like, I have your card now. Like, <laughs> if anything happens to my store. Yeah. Like, yeah. But, uh, you know, I mean, I think the guy's heart was definitely, I think his heart was in the right place. I think he was very passionate about, you know, the changes going on, understandably so. Right. And, uh, you know, he he asked me how long I'd lived in the neighborhood. And I told him, I don't know, at that point, I think it was like five years oh. I'd lived there. And he told me that that didn't matter because he was selling crack across the street 20 years ago. <laughs> And somehow that gives him more of a claim to the neighborhood, I guess. Was that on his card? That was not on his card. <laughs> that was not on his card. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely a, a different time now, a different, hmm. different neighborhood, uh, you know, for better or for worse. I mean, I understand the, the a lot of the, well, I mean, I, you know, I try to understand a lot of the issues as far as the gentrification of it go. Um you know, sticky subjects. Probably not exactly what we want to talk about on this. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say we gotta get a, we can do a whole other a whole other show on that too. Um, yeah. On the plus side, a lot of the businesses that have opened, like even in just the five years that I've been there, uh, are owned by women yeah. or are managed or operated by women. Right. So there's definitely more diversity now. It is coming back around. And they are all for the most part, many of them are small businesses. Mm -hmm. You okay. know, you've got Townsend Tea, you've got Stash Tea. Um, Shebop? Well, well I, I mean, those two are examples of not, they're oh, like I national see. brands. As I opposed, see. But yes. any, everywhere else, I can't think of many other places. You know, Laughing Planet has, is a chain of our eight or ten, men, ten sure. whatever, well, but it's a yeah, local least, chain. Yeah, local chain. Um, 
so there's still definitely, you know, there's no Starbucks, there's no McDonald's, mm-hmm. there's no, you know, shit like that. It's the, no Fred Meyer. It, no Fred Meyer. Um, it, it 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 definitely is a much more um, community based thing, mm-hmm. you know. So which is cool. True. It's which a cool, cool neighborhood to be in. Uh, yeah, right. If I did not live in downtown Portland, I would hands down move up to the Boise neighborhood around Mississippi, mm. like. Not only because it would be hella cool to have a five-minute commute into work, just like hop, skip, and a jump. That would be awesome. But just the accessibility of everything up there and good culture going on. Lots of awesome live music. And... Yeah. And, you know, like, you know, we both love Uchu. Yes. We both love Maloko. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just all kinds of great stuff. Like, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, tacos. Oh, shit. Tacos. I li- yeah. Before, <laughs> uh, when I first moved to town... Twelve years ago, in fact, uh, this uh, after this Labor Day weekend, I uh, the first place was a was a Sixth and Prescott, and which was right in the same area, right smack dive, you know, it's like right you know a couple blocks south of Alberta, so sure. the same kind of things were happening, but only not as I don't think it was as violent. It was not as violently fast as it was hitting Mississippi right. yet, but. So yeah, uh, in in result of that, ladies and gentlemen, Portland is changing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Look out, yeah, and it's just in almost a um, at a extreme rate. Mm-hmm. I would say breakneck speed. It yeah. feels like because I've been here since about ninety eight, mm-hmm. so I'm coming up on twenty years, and it's just fucking crazy, mm-hmm. just insane. And you were born uh, in this, Eugene. I was born in Eugene. This actually, I think September sixth marked my tenth year in Portland. It's my birthday. Oh, Happy yeah. birthday to me! Hey. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, that's why I moved here. Sure. I'm like your birthday present every oh, year. Lord. It's me. It's my presents. God. You're welcome. Present. Uh, <laughs> See what I have to work with, put up with? It's terrible. See, you started the shop in what, 05? So, yeah, 2005. Um, I worked at Dark Horse Comics uh, for about seven years. A lifelong comics fan. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, Dark Horse was great. But I kind of reached that point where I was feeling like, I mean, I was 30? Yeah. 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 I was 30. That's <laughs> crazy. What? <laughs> Who opens a business when they're 30? Good yeah, job. No shit. So I opened the, because, you know, I, I, I love comics. In my position at, in marketing at Dark Horse Comics, I was able to travel the country, check out the best and the worst comic shops in the country. And I just kind of formulated this plan of, hey, shit. I've been making a lot of money for, you know, Mike Richardson and Dark Horse. <clears throat> I may as well take a jump, try to do something for myself, build something for myself. This is what I know. And uh, here did, we are, 12 Did years you later. have retail experience before you opened nope. Bridge City? Nope. No. Nope. Oh. Not, a, not a splinter of it. Hmm. Nope. <laughs> Does it show? Hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Yeah. Uh. You do sign my paychecks. So. That's true. Yeah. No, it's great. You're great at it. Oh, thank you. So anyway, uh, yeah, so 12 years, almost 12 years now, and here we are. And yeah, Merrick came on about five years ago. She was a a customer. Were you a box customer at that point? Mm. I don't think so. Um, I, (laughs) can I tell my story again? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Of, of, no, no, don't apologize. Um, so yeah, feel free. (laughs) When I had moved to Portland in 2006, uh, I had a friend who had also moved up from Eugene, and she was a jewelry designer, so she was taking some of her wares up around to different shops around town to restock. 
uh, one of the places that carried her line was Pin Me Apparel. Sure. So we came up to Mississippi. We like met for lunch and we're hanging out and came up uh, to that shop and we were walking around and there was a comic book store and I'd been reading comics for a couple-ish years, you know, like actively reading comics um, and comic book store looked cool. So I went in and it was really nice and clean and organized and felt very pleasant to be in. And That's so Bridge City Comics, right? Yeah, I just want to make sure. <laughs> and so I asked the dude for some recommendations. Uh, no, I think she was talking about future dreams. <laughs> <laughs> so well lit, right? Like that was yeah. a giveaway. <clears throat> yeah. um, was it me? No, it was Lucas. Oh, Lucas. So it was yeah. Lucas that sold me the first graphic novel that I ever bought for myself, which I, as far as I'm concerned, that was my first comic book that I ever bought was Fables Volume 1, uh, which I bought from Bridge City Comics. Mm -hmm. And then a few years later, I ended up dating a man named Cable Hashitani, who we are still together, mm -hmm. and he had a box at Bridge City. So one day he was like, hey, let's go pick up my comic books. And I went, oh my God, I've been here before. And after a few months, I started adding comics to his pool box. I think the first one that was like something that I actively sought out and had waited for and been excited for was Morning Glories. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I think I still have. Yeah. No, I still. Yeah, I still have the first one. Um, I'm trying to remember. I don't. I can't even remember. I gotta think of the first couple trades of that. I don't even remember if I finished reading it or not. After a while, it's kind of like the. Um, There's a lot of it. It's still going too. There's nine volumes and it's still going. Uh -huh. Yeah. Mm. They got yeah, crazy. It's a, yeah, it's like after. I think it, it, for myself, um, I switched to. I, I switched from floppies to trades. Okay. Because it, I think for five years, well, two things. One is that the the monthly model of like you know waiting six months for a story is like no, it's bullshit. Not anymore. Um, um, it's but it, I was traveling for the day job and reading floppies on a flight, especially like an overall arc was horrible. So I'm like, okay, yeah. you know, the hell with it. Only um, only trades. Sure. And I think that's where. I, that's how I picked up the morning glow, and that's where you can see like a couple bookshelves. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, in fact, it used to be twice that uh, before I sold a lot of them off. So you know, trades everywhere. So yeah. oh, no, they so. do accumulate quickly. Fuck yes, yeah. <laughs> I got four bookcases at home, and I could use another one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I love them; they're all my children. They kind they're of are all my little paper babies. <laughs> that's not creepy at all. Mm -hmm. Anyway, yeah, that's yeah. how I started shopping at Bridge City. Uh, I don't think I technically had my own box until I started working for you. Right, that's true. That would yeah. Be, eh, that makes sense based on your number. Yeah. Cable's yeah. forty-two. You're ninety-one. Yep. So. Yep. But it yeah. moves around a little. There's and some. The, there's some newbies. You know, new new customers that like somebody vacated their slot, so they get moved into like box number th three or right. seven. Oh, well, it's Donna. Yeah. Oh, is Donna three? Donna's three. Yeah. Okay. Brandy's thirteen. Yeah. Which I'm like, oh. My brother is. I almost took it from her. <laughs> <laughs> my brother's still box number one even I though he know. hasn't bought a comic from I me know. in years but you know just kind of do it what's up with that and what's then, up little bro is he little is he your younger brother or older brother older brother by eight is years he? oh okay yeah. i don't know way older okay um and then how did it come about i, I remember asking i remember jamie that, was leaving and you emailed me, and you were like, hey, right. do you want to work on Sundays? And I was like, okay. Right. That's right. <laughs> Jamie. Yeah. Yeah. And here we are. Yeah. I went from one day to two days, and just, like, I kept accumulating days. Eventually, yeah. Lucas left, and I took the days that he had been working, and I was like, ha, 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 my grand plan is 
working. I have thwarted him. Uh, now I'm the manager. Yeah, I get jokes make, on you. Yeah, <laughs> I get to make decisions and hire um, people and I don't know, order things. Yeah, you do a pretty good job. I do all right. Yeah. yeah. Keep you around for a little while longer. Yeah. We get around. We get along okay. No, we so. don't. <laughs> oh, that actually, um, in. Speaking of getting along and back to our earlier conversation about the changing area. Yeah. Mm. Good hosting, by the way, pulling mm. us back on topic after we. <laughs> no, yeah, well, I've, I've only had, uh, I've only had uh, some rum and coke, not, not too much though. <laughs> Depends on, uh, we'll see how things get later tonight. No, um, I think uh, he's what... coming on to me. <laughs> hey, would you like more Coca-Cola? <laughs> I say in, in air quotation marks. <laughs> Just breathe this rag. This yes. is a filled rag. There's nothing wrong with your drink at all. <laughs> what is it's? Can you comment on? I'm kind of curious, just personally curious. Well, shit, yeah, all fuck that. Everything I'm saying is, per, I'm personally curious. Um, a rough per, can you, can you mention a rough percentage as to what your um like what your property uh, rent you, like what's the rent the storefront rent is what does that happen from? Holy fuck, it's stupid. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. Like, I mean, it's not terrible, but it's it's a lot. And like, it's gone up, right? It's good. So, it goes up every yeah. year. Every year. What do you um? Has it like doubled since? Or like I was gonna say, what's what? What do you think the like the peak the peak jump was? Is there was there a particular year where it just just got stupid, or has it been like hard limited? Or so so okay. So the deal is, I've had oh shit. So it's almost twelve years. I've had three, uh, four lease negotiations, mm-hmm. and I got fucked on every single one of them. Because it's kind of a staring contest between me and and and, and the the property owner, the management company. They're very nice people, and they are quick to respond, and they know that if I leave and move my store somewhere else, they can rent that for a fuckload more money than what I rent it for, which is a fuckload of money. I had a guy. Did you hear the story about the guy who came in? Mm. And there was a guy who came in and was like, "How much? Oh. How much for you to move?" And my other one of my other employees, Josh, she was there. He was like, I don't, what are you talking about? And he's like, I want to put a restaurant in here. What's your number? And Josh is like, what the fuck are you talking about? He's like, I want this space. 7.8 million. How much will it take? And Josh is like, I don't know. You need to talk to the owner. I'm not the owner. But I think that was the first time I ever Mm. had anybody come in and actually be like, actively trying to poach. Right. But um, when when, when did that happen? That was, Jesus, six months ago? Eight months ago? It couldn't have been that long ago. It was this year sometime. Oh, okay. I thought this would have happened like five years ago or more. Okay. Uh, There's definitely like, yeah, even in the time that I've been there, I've seen a lot of growth and a lot of change over new construction as as there is room for it. Um, But yeah, like things are, things are getting vicious out there. Yeah, it's interesting. So. Um, so I'd say my rent has probably doubled in 12 years. Um, okay. Just about doubled. Uh, it's a little less than that, but it's close. Um, but we grow too. Well, we do. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's why we can keep doing this because mm-hmm. we're still growing year after year, which is pretty fucking crazy for being in business for twelve almost 12 years. Yeah. For being a um, roughly, for being an independent Portland business yeah. and... How has the how has pop culture exploding and creating, how much how how much was the victory of pop culture, especially you know what is politely referred to as nerd shit? How right. was the victory of nerd shit over everything? Um, has that at least helped you guys at all out at at all? Mm. I well yeah I mean the the I 
I'm feel no, free to jump it. in. Yeah. No, I know. I mean, I just I'll fucking talk all night. <laughs> I don't want to talk over you. Um, but so my take. I'll just unplug your mic. Oh fuck! Yeah, you probably do that too. Um, you know, anything in the popular conscious mm-hmm. consciousness, uh, it's gonna ben- it benefits us. You know, people. There used to be a big hope when Spider Man, the very first Spider Man movie came out, Tobey Maguire. Ten years ago, something like that. Oh, whatever. Uh, oh, one, oh, oh, two. Oh, two. So, so, fifth Jesus. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> you know, I have never actually, as much as I love Sam Raimi, I have never seen any of the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films. Uh, well, you know, I kind of want to see the second one at least. Yeah. And I, although I, I did see the Brett, Net, the Brett Ratner third X-Men film at the uh, <laughs> at the theater, you know, at the Lloyd oh. Stadium, whatever the hell it was. Yeah. Weird straight to video look looking thing that that was but anyway mm-hmm. yeah the, uh anyway it helps it helps um definitely there was a um in my time at dark horse and in the first part of owning the shop whenever a comic book movie would come out because it wasn't a multiple time a year thing yeah uh there was always the hope that oh shit like you know the new spider-man movie's out people are gonna run in looking for spider-man comics never fucking happened hmm. still doesn't happen it ha- it's happening a little bit more now really like with civil war we sold a lot more Civil Wars. When the weird thing is, The Killing Joke, the animated movie mm-hmm. that came out recently. That way boosted sales on that book. Great. I mean, if yeah. you look at like the New York Times graphic novel bestseller list, that shit's been one or two for months. Mm-hmm. Wow. And that is a, that has been a, I think, pretty universally panned. Well, see, that's one that I think even Alan movie. Moore, didn't he, hasn't he, hasn't he effectively, not necessarily like disowned the book, but just kind of like, just like, eh. Mm-hmm. Just kind yeah. of, you know, schluff, schluffed it. Well, let's say that because we're talking about Alan Moore and Alan Moore, you know, post 20, you know, in uh, 21st century Alan Moore, it, even more than he schluffed off or kind of like just eh, about most comics at all. He, like that book, even, you know, he's kind of like been even more, um, you know, it's just like that, even more so towards that particular book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, if you look at his Batman output, what do you write? three Batman stories in his life. Mm-hmm. Somewhere somewhere around here I have that I have that Alan Moore DC collection. DC Universe. Alan, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, and that's got some of my favorite shit in it. I mean, that's got the Green Lantern eight-page backup that he wrote that Jeff Johns, and I love Jeff Johns, but he completely built the entire Sinestro Corps War and all that shit off of that. Um, it's phenomenal. Did he do the... Did he do the... What was it? The alternate timeline Superman's was it that was it was that whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow? The, yeah, was that the the one that Gibbons did that Dave Gibbons did. Well, whatever whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow was the two parter in action that closed out the Silver Age and made way for John Byrne's run. Okay, maybe in I'm, the eighties. Okay, maybe I'm thinking of something else. I just remember there was one. There was a story. I think it was in that. Um, Are you, I think what maybe what you're thinking of is the uh, what do you get for. For the man who has everything, is that the one with the black mercy yeah, flower? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was that, at the flower that was one. Gibbons. Yeah. That one. They just and just it's just weird to see to look back now and see Gibbons doing a you know after everything he's done mm-hmm. after everything Gibbons but doing see see Gibbons in full on you know peak Watchmen era yeah. doing that you know that same exact style of art on a regular Superman book a fucking Superman book yeah, yeah with, exactly. with everybody has it cool like Kryptonian visors and shit and, yeah oh shit that was some good stories. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so that stuff, especially now, that definitely makes a bump. Um, there's, you know, less of a stigma. Everybody wants to be a nerd now. Love to proclaim, you know, oh, I'm so nerdy. 
Which, you know, whatever. I don't, I don't think it's shit. necessarily people trying to be able to claim that they're a nerd. They're just curious. It's almost like not trying to take on that mantle, but they're curious about it. They're nerd curious. Yeah, they're nerd curious. Yeah. Um, I saw it a lot when X-Men Days of Future Past was announced and people searching for it became aware that it was a specific run of the X-Men series. So they came in seeking that out. Every mm -hmm. time there's a new movie that's announced... People come in and are like, so this thing, which book do I need to read? Right. I'm like, well, it's like an amalgamation of three or five different books. So that gets a little tricky and you yeah. kind of just have to give them whichever one you think they'll enjoy the most as a new reader. Mm -hmm. um, Watchmen wise, I still get people coming in and being like, yeah, so Watchmen, the movie was OK, but I feel like I should read the book. And I'm like, yeah, you should. It's a lot different. See, and that's so. the heart. And I feel I don't. It's Watchmen is such a strange thing for me because I love the book mm. and I feel that if you give that to somebody just off the bat who's not read <laughs> comics. Sure, yeah, that's like whoo. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Have you heard of a thing called postmodernism? Yeah, but you know, it's it's somebody who because, you know, I'm sure you still get this too, Merrick, mm. but you know, I still get people saying like like new new readers like, Well, I don't know how to read a comic. Do I read the words first and then look at the art, or do I look at the art and do mm -hmm. I read the? How do I? How does my eye? You know, because we've read. For, I think probably all of us have read long enough mm -hmm. that it's just second nature. To right, and it's like, and this is what is like, are these are these younger or older readers? Because it's like it's at some point this is like if they are they young enough to not have not have grown up on comic strips. Right. No, but it's older for me. Usually older, especially since now comics are a regular part of curriculum in yeah. public schools. Okay. Uh, Holy shit! So sorry yeah. to cut you off, but no. like I before hey, we that's got a good on topic, mic, we, should, we should talk about that too. Oof. Yeah, before we got on mic, I was at my kid's parent night, and I went. She's in third grade, and I went into her classroom, and the amount of fucking graphic novels in there is awesome. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Regular graphic novels or kind of, or how well, much regular? Kids. Well, I mean, well, I, I know, but how much of the was like kind of standard Western comics, and how much were, um, because uh, because because manga became a thing. Because why wouldn't it? Sure. But uh, like, how much like did they have like any like racks of like kids manga in there too? No. Is it okay? Not not in this in their in their school library. I've seen it in there. Mm -hmm. uh, generally, it's for a little bit of the older because you know uh, some of the older kids because it's a K. Right now it's K through eight, but it's going to switch to a K through five in a couple of years, whatever. But, okay. Um, but you know the interesting thing about that is that the teachers I I, I used to work with one of the teachers um, a year or two ago, not, not teachers, librarians, and they're as baffled by this as hmm. a grandparent trying to buy something for their kid in some ways because they're like holy shit there's this whole other vector that i gotta figure out now like i got young adult literature down i got kids literature down how the fuck do i deal with manga and comics and yeah, comics kind of have a rating system attached to them and manga kind of has a rating system attached to it but it varies by publisher mm-hmm mm -hmm. And, you know, the librarians are really good, you know, like any librarian, they listen to what people are asking for and they try and get it in. Uh, but there is so much manga. Right. And how do you determine the good stuff from the bad stuff when you've never read a stitch of manga before? And obviously there are resources. Correct. A lot of lists and a lot of people who are reading it and kids who are reading it and stuff like that. But, you know, how do you determine what's good? What's good manga for a third grader? Well, not yeah. Akira. Yeah. It's not Blade of the Immortal. It's not Appleseed. It's not Death Note. It's not... Yeah, I mean, just play it safe. Give Miyazaki or something. I don't know. Sure. Tezuka. I mean, you know, Nausicaa. 
Sweet, yeah, yeah, try Sweet Home, mm-hmm. shit like that. But, uh, but it's the same thing with with graphic novels too. You know, you can play it safe with Superman, Batman, Spider Man, Avengers. You know, and even the, then, <laughs> so yeah, well, exactly. Some of that you can't. It's not yeah. safe enough. Um, Batman. Not... Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Going back, going back to, um, going back to uh, Killing Joke. Yeah, the parents today have to be parents today. Parents that are younger than us. Uh, but mm-hmm. it's like have to be savvy enough at some point to. I'm just wondering the, just the numbers of like anime. Ooh, animated Batman. <laughs> right. And wait a minute, you know. Oh, look, you know. It's wow. She's going down on Batman. Hell yeah. No, it's just like right. should I be showing this to my kid? That kind of thing of well, like even before the Killing Joke one, like all the the old, you know the targeted to older you know targeted mm-hmm. to older kids in quotes like the Suicide Squad, which had sure. like you know. In, you know, some badly paced, some pretty decent sex jokes in it. So, I don't know, man. I just talk about marketing. My eight year old is fucking nuts for Suicide Squad. She's still haranguing me, Dad. Let's go this weekend. No, I'm not <laughs> taking you to see Suicide Squad. I realize it's PG 13, but I saw it. I was like, I don't want. No, here's this guy. And his name is John Ostrander. You're going to start reading his stuff. Yeah. Oh, holy shit. Speaking of which, I just started rereading that. I was telling Merrick I went on mm. a camping trip last weekend and I took the first volume of Trial by Fire. And holy shit, that's some good comics. Oh, it's good comics. Yeah. Sorry, did you, Merrick? Did you ever read Suicide Squad? I did not. It's worth it because, especially given the era, the the kind of stuff that he that he is he is um, the context of what eighty seven, eighty eight, eighty nine. Mm-hmm. What he is trying, what he and his and his late wife are trying to do, they're they're putting in like, uh, for lack of a better word, Tom Clancy techno thriller political plot lines into a what was still marketed as you know what like an all what all ages dc book in the late 80s sure. like going into stuff like like they brought drug war stuff in there they brought what was like the, the contra stuff in there well, and, mm-hmm. and middle shit from the middle east yeah middle and, east stuff and, yeah um and it, it's amazing because that it feels to me like that is also a corollary that's that's something interesting about comics uh in that Nobody gave a shit about Suicide Squad. Nobody mm-hmm. knew what it was. It was this weird <laughs> war comic from what the '60s, I think. Yeah. Same thing, you know. Same thing with Daredevil when Frank Miller yeah. took it over. Actually, I just realized I'm gonna go get something out of the other room. I'll just keep talking. <laughs> oh, feel free. Blah 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 blah. But uh, yeah, so it's it's kind of funny as if you think about it as the big wigs. You know, they're keeping track of Superman and Batman because those are the money makers and the licensing and blah blah blah. And like, mm-hmm. who gives a shit about this book called Suicide Squad? So editorial interference was much less, and they were able to. Dude, Get away with a lot. Oh man, put sneak not even sneak shit in, but oh yeah, dead shot. Yeah, oh, the toys show up. <laughs> yeah, no, it's kind of a thing where. Oh yeah, fuck yeah, Jeremy just I just visually impaired. Yeah, uh, <laughs> this is this this is excellent radio, but I just um, random inspiration of for the Winton. At the at the at an excellent bookshop that I've mentioned before in Knoxville called McKay's Used Books, where you can take you can say take all the long boxes of comics that are s- stored, mainly all shitty shitty nineties nineties collector era comics that you still have stored at your parents' house because they moved from Michigan down to uh, Knoxville. Took that in, sold all the comics, and then they had um, somebody had sold to them all of the the DC Universe Paul Dini action figures. So I got like I got a dead shot. I got Captain Boomerang. Um, this is you just want him to be your microphone buddy now. Yeah, kind of. But careful, that is not the strongest microphone oh, jack. Never mind. Sorry, I'll stop fucking around with your. And um, 
Oh no, it's hand to grown man toys. What does he yeah. do? Tries to play with them. Brilliant. Yeah. Fancy that. And I said, as I point behind me to, uh, towards the um, the multi, the little top, you know, top shelf of my desk, mm-hmm. covered in oh, yeah. everything from. Uh, it's an OG cloud car, cloud yeah. city car, though. You know everything from uh, Star Wars micro machines to I think there's a uh, there's a couple there's some uh, there's a couple vault boys from Fallout to God knows what. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but um, but that's yeah that was always one of the weirdest things. Uh, <laughs> we do an entire show about Suicide Squad. One of the weirdest things about Suicide Squad was it, you know this great run and what a lot of people looking back now or you know. Chris Sims uh, uh, from either Comics Alliance and War Rocket Ajax will talk about how it's like one of the greatest, um, you know, greatest runs, the sing- what, oh, yeah. single creator runs that they've done. Oh, absolutely. Fif- was 55 issues yeah. of him. And the Luke, I, I, you know, his the Luke McDonald art was amazing. And I don't even remember when he got off that, if that was... I can't remember after two years or what, but it was phenomenal. But yeah, just just an amazing run, and it's one of those things. It's like like the band that you really like, mm-hmm. and then you run into somebody else who likes this band that nobody else has ever heard of, and you're like, oh my god, I love you. <laughs> Same way with like Suicide. You have Squad that friends. instant point of connection. Oh yeah, it's like holy shit, you like that too. Did you talk to um, what's the, what's his name? Is it Michael Fifa? Oh, Michael! Uh, I, uh, I say Michael Fife, but Fife, yeah, I can't remember Fife yeah, or FIFA, for but Copra, yeah, yeah, for Copra. The um, rec- uh, our first recommendation of the evening, ladies and gentlemen, is if you haven't yet, go find a book called Copra, C O P R A. It is copies a- available at Bridge City Comics. Oh yeah, <laughs> they, it is. Fi- yeah, they finally got a better distribution model a few years back, and and so you can actually find this book that's not online. Yeah. Oh, I should say. Um, a, a a a distribution model you can actually go at your local shops as opposed to say having to you know find copies in Quimby's in Chicago or something. But right. there's at least three trades out. Copra is very much kind of like the best Suicide Squad uh, Ostrander never wrote, but written deliberately as like a love letter to that. But also mixing in like um, not I don't know if it's pastiche or just fan stuff. Like there's like there's like Doctor Strange characters in there, yeah. and there's a there's a commentary on like the Punisher, inter, you know, interacting with there. It's very, it, with a very, call it non traditional, almost like a like a colored pencil art style. Yeah, yeah. It's it's that simplicity that belies its complexity. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus mm-hmm. God, that was pretentious. Holy <laughs> fuck! I'm no, no, sorry. But, Let well, me apologize to you and all your points listeners. To Michael Ring. God. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's. I read the first. I read the first volume, and it's 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 interesting. I kind of feel like it's J.J. Abrams doing Star Trek, in that it's this kid who probably grew up with that. I mean, Michael is not that old. He's probably late twenties, early thirties, as far right. as I can tell. And so he probably read that shit. So this is him going like, oh, "Fuck, that was awesome. I'm going to do something like that." So it's Suicide Squad through his lens, and it's an interesting lens to look at it. Right. But but uh, but I'd say unlike the analogy to JJ to Abrams Trek, um, uh, Michael's able to do he's able to do a better Suicide Squad with his fan book was effectively yeah. a fan book than the than the actual friggin' official Suicide Squad book because well I guess I guess it kind of 
trying to think of, I think like what, like the newest, like the very newest of newest relaunches was better, but there, cause there was a couple years where right. when they restarted, it was just dire as, you know, just dire yeah. as all hell. And yeah. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. The, uh, the controversial opinion that, uh, DC's new 52 just <laughs> ruined a lot of their own books. And, um, it's kind of, it, it is the, is, has been pointed out elsewhere. This is what happens when you, when you uh, hire too many cast, you know, too many, too many cast offs from the 90s era and now have them calling the shots. And a lot of, uh, a lot of, they brought back a lot of bad ideas, but this is me opining to two people who actually who get far more exposure to this than I do. It's, uh, let's just say it's all cyclical. <laughs> yeah. It'll come back. I hope. Cause I'm a huge DC fan. I mean, I, I, I grew up, I learned. Uh, you know, I learned to read on, you know, whatever, but I remember reading my brother's New Teen Titans, the Wolfman Perez stuff, and the Paul Levitt's uh, Legion of Superheroes. Mm-hmm. To this day, still some of the best comics, mainstream comics I've ever read in my life, and I think that's true. Um, and, you know, Booster Gold was my first, Booster Gold and Blue Devil were my first two books that I ever got myself that i you know i read gi joe because i was a big gi joe fan and blue stuff, beetle. but but uh you know i like blue beetle but i never collected blue beetle i actually want to go back and get the but, full set wasn't it was it booster gold and blue devil or booster gold and blue beetle no, no well it was it was it was booster gold and blue beetle in okay. the justice league oh okay but blue De- booster gold had his own series in the 80s oh okay yes and then blue devil had his own series in the 80s so those were the two series that i would go to the grocery store Every month, or I would go to Seven Eleven with my dad when he wanted to get his wheels and keels. Do you, being a ex Michigander, do you remember wheels and keels at all? It's basically like a fucking penny saver magazine just for boat and car sales. Oh yeah, God, um, <laughs> uh, Jesus, um, back my dad's. Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, history lesson. Some of you remember this. Back before this thing called Craigslist uh, was announced, <laughs> you had, I think you still have it, but there would be stacks of these by the door of your supermarkets, mm-hmm. your local hardware shops, um, occasionally your lower scale bars, where it was like, it was like, in, I want to say, the ch- cheaper newsprint than your local alt weekly. Yeah. It was like this little, like, like, yeah, they were just com- compiled, compiled uh, classified ads selling. You know, hey, I got you know, it's like off-model car parts hmm. for certain lines, or you know, boat stuff, or how to re- you know stuff you need to 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 if you wanted to completely you know want want to renovate your 1957 Airstream trailer. Yeah, this was the place to go. Yep. And well, it's suffice it to say, uh, those were always free, and the internet internet killed it all. Well, oh well then. Yeah, saved a bunch of trees though, I guess. That's true. Oh. In case it's not obvious from my silence, I don't really read DC. <laughs> I never. Well, I you have esoteric uh, taste. You have good taste. I though. I read a lot of variety, and I've yeah. read some DC, but I'm not like yeah, DC continuity is this and this and that. I'm like ah. I mean, it, it, I grew up watching the Batman animated TV show. That shit was awesome. Right. That accounts for a lot of my nerdery. Mm-hmm. Do but. you? So let me ask you this. Mm. Um, let me take over the interview chair for a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, is the continuity, like, has that always been uh, a detriment? I mean, do you ever look at that and go, fuck, I haven't read this shit for 30 years like you have? I don't care. Like, I'll read the highlights, like Watchmen or Killing Joke, but... For me, no, because I think that I understand the format of comics well enough to know that you don't need to have read 30, 50, 70 odd years of a story to understand where it currently is. Sure. Like, there need- are jumping on points, there are... 
separate story arcs and spin-offs and things like that that you can get invested into the character through. Sure. So it doesn't deter me. I just don't have interest necessarily in the characters unless sure. there's a creator working on the story that I'm really into. That's fair. So okay, who are yeah. some of the who are some of the creators nowadays that you are at least for say uh, for uh, I, don't know, I don't know big time mainstream books mm-hmm. for uh, lack of a better you know uh, for you know for lack of a better description sure like Greg Rucka mm-hmm. uh, who is a Portland well, local yeah local fellow. favorite uh, I'm familiar enough with his breadth of work outside of mainstream big two comics that. He's writing Wonder Woman. I'll, I'll give it a shot sort of a thing. Uh, Scott Snyder, I like a lot of his more independent stuff that, like, I, I've not obviously read a bunch of his Batman things, but I know that if and when I feel like getting into some Batman, I'm going to read Scott Snyder's Batman. That kind of a thing. Excellent. Yeah. Shit, man. His run on Detective mm. was great. Francisco Francavilla on the art. And mm-hmm. it was all about James Gordon's ser- serial killer son. It was like super fucked up and weird and creepy. Uh, speaking of fucked up and weird and creepy was Animal Man yeah. from the new 52 reboot. Like, yeah. How was that? Because I, I, I just Jesus remember. fuck. It was awesome. It was great. I just remember, yes. yeah, at one point, like vert, the, the Vertigo era, was it Vertigo era Animal Man before? Yeah, that original run before it kind of, which before it. Uh, Animal, Animal, Animal Man, ladies and gentlemen, was one of those, what, old time kind of like just degrade characters yeah. that they just took like Moana Beast yeah just this weird <laughs> fucked up like science adventure comics <laughs> yeah. yeah and then they made it relevant in the in uh, in DC's imprint of Vert. that's the thing growing up I always read more Vertigo than DC yeah. and, but it went ultra at some point was that Grant Morrison it's Grant right? Morrison Grant Morrison writing it probably before he started shaving his head every day um, but you, you know you never can tell but it went meta, went completely meta where you it, this was the I think even in like the early 90s when you before you saw this like you'd yeah. insert himself into as a character into yep. his own book and it would go meta and then it just kind of like then he blew up his own book yeah. and then Which they like super fun yeah that's great and then they continued it for some reason mm-hmm. and then anyway sorry it's like, well it's like Swamp Thing when Alan Moore got off Swamp Thing and, and you know the Rick Beach stuff was really was good too but at some point there's like fuck just let it rest for 18 months mm-hmm. and then you do a reboot it's it's difficult same thing with doom patrol with morrison's doom patrol i mean there was some really good stuff that came after that but ultimately how the fuck do you follow grant morrison when he's firing on all <laughs> cylinders uh, you know crazy it's crazy mm-hmm. to me but there was some good stuff that came after it, but it gets overshadowed so everyone uh, seeks out the alan morrison there we go exactly yeah. and on that we will take a break and be right back I have a muck. I have a really nice muck that was really big that I caught in the courtyard. Yeah. Um, I I had to bail out of Pokemon Go about about a month ago or so. Yeah. It was fun because it was great because I I go around and, you know, night walks around the neighborhood and such and there's a... uh, I appreciate your cat picture. Oh, thank you. Neighborhood cat picture. Are you on the the cat spotting list? No. I am. Uh, Yeah. Here, I'll send send you an 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 invite to... um, I know. It's yeah. just a group where when you find a cat, you take a picture of it and post it. Like yeah, other it, oh people's cats. Oh. And like the general location. Like, hey, I ran into this cat over here. And people go. are like, that's such a good cat. That's wonderful. It's, yeah, that's the thing is yeah. um, the secret of social media is that it becomes far more tolerable. When it's full of cats. Mm. When it's, um, when it is, when like, yeah, it's like you have regular, regular people's, you know, posting or whatever but once you subscribe to 50 
60 <laughs> uh, animal feeds, yeah. <laughs> it becomes far better. Yeah. And cat spotting is very much like Pokemon Go. In fact, I, I treat it almost exactly like Pokemon Go in that you wander around. <laughs> oh, I got a mean coon. Yeah. And then. Yeah. <laughs> you know, wa- yeah, wander around and. Um, what the hell? Oh, they change. Damn it, Apple, stop changing. My, the, my uh... favorite cat in the wild is Graveyard Kitty. There's a black cat at Lone Fur. She's oh, she's wee, oh. she's lithe. I think she's still pretty young, like less than a year. Yeah. She's very friendly and she likes to fight you. Oh. Which is great because I love fighting cats. You can just get your hand in there and she's oh. like ah. you give her the claw. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she she takes it, she goes with it, and it's awesome. I love a little graveyard kitty. Excellent. I have not seen that one yet, but it's very much it is kind of like, you know, just like snap, okay, okay, capture it. And if you're lucky you can pet it for a good five seconds, like, all right, well, there you go. I've got I've gotten in a, a, an increment of enjoyment out of you and like time to move on. Right. Exactly. Just but, um, should we get back to it? Oh right, and and we're back. <laughs> oh, now we're back. Oh yeah. wow. Oh, I know. I oh by the way, I never turn off recorders. Um Yeah, there's just gonna be a little part in there you're not gonna want to listen to. You're right. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, I guess the bring it back to whatever wide ranging of topics that we kind of wander amongst. But um, one thing I do have to ask is like America, like how much do you mm-hmm. get harassed nowadays by like random customers? Harassed in what regard? Um, for people still freaking out about like oh, there's you know, ooh, you know, ooh, a girl at the comic shop. Uh, not any longer, really. Uh, it still happens upon occasion, but for the most part, I've trained everyone to shut the fuck up and get the fuck out if they're going to act like that. Excellent. There you uh, go. So, because our staff is about 50% male, 50% female, so mm-hmm. uh, I don't want that happening to any of our other employees either, and it still does, like... People come in and they make comments that they think are innocuous, like, oh, wow, you look super cute in that dress today. And it's like, I do. Yes, thank you. And also it's irrelevant to the fact that we're in a comic book shop. Right. Uh, So the ladies that work there, definitely we have to be a little on our toes in that regard. But uh, I, I don't. I don't get what I used to. Like, I remember, I think it was within the first six months that I was working there, there was a guy that came in. A few times, uh, and was kind of, like, chatty and nice, and it was fine. Uh, and the second or third time he was in, he was like, hey, so, like, how did you get a job here anyway? And I was like, well, the owner asked me if I wanted a job, and I came to work here. And that was pretty much how that happened. <laughs> he was like, oh, yeah, it's probably because you're cute, huh? I was just like, no, I think it's because he knew that I liked comic books and was familiar with the store mm. and could do a decent job at this. And also, you fucking scoop ice cream. So... <laughs> Like, excuse me, but how'd you get that job? What skills did you possess that warranted serving ice cream to people? Like, well, don't start. Can, can I bust in here for a second, too? Because I want to... You know, Merrick did not really give you her CV. <laughs> but Merrick co-runs the Sequential Art Gallery mm-hmm. with Cable Hashitani down in uh, um, Chinatown. Yep, down in Old Town Chinatown. Old Town Chinatown. And that's been going for 10 years now. And I've been with the gallery for seven, which also focuses on comic book art. Right. And, you know, previously, you know, I knew that you read comics. Mm-hmm. And we had interacted enough. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, it's not like, oh, I'm going to have a cute girl behind the counter to try mm-hmm. and... It was like, no, she knows her shit, and mm-hmm. I need people who know their shit. Like, yeah. I need people who read comics, because... And I cannot... And, and are the right kind of personality that you can work in retail. Yes. Unfortunately, yeah. I have a lot of retail experience, both, like, 
uh, just general boutique retail shops, but also I grew up in libraries, volunteering in libraries and, and doing that type of work. So I was super familiar with working in a book heavy environment. Yeah. Oh. And, um, you know, want to kind of get not not to completely dovetail into this yet, but, you know, you ask for kind of funny stories. And I think the f it's not a funny story. It's very frustrating for me because mm. I feel like it does kind of a relevant story. It, it, <laughs> it, yeah, it negates a little bit of the hard work that we all do. But, mm. you know, we always get people asking, oh, man, I just want to come in and work in your comic shop. I want to just sit here and read comics all day. Yeah, like, and oh, wanna... it's, it must be great to work here because you yeah. can just sit around and read comics. And it's like, yes, as you can see, while I'm working on this spreadsheet and there's five packages behind me that are waiting to be processed, I do a lot of reading at work. It's, you know, and, and, and to be truthful, I do tell you, and I've told mm -hmm. all the other employees, like, hey, if there's any downtime, like, there's a long list of things that need to get done. You right. know, it's the whole, if you're leaning, you know, if you're... You got time to lean, you, you got, got time, time to clean. clean. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I also want them to read yeah. stuff and not just the stuff that they normally read. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, it's a job. Right. And it, it may sound like, hey, this is a really great, glamorous job. And it's fun. Oh, I mean, yeah. I like it. I There's nothing I love more than talking comics with people uh, and making recommendations and things like that. But, you know, you're not going to fucking sit here and just read comics all day. It's That's... not it's not the quick stop whatever from clerks, you know. <laughs> But um, so anyway, you know, and it's such a silly thing, I think, for me to get worked up about. But it is mm -hmm. a little insulting that it's like, you know, this is a business. Yeah. And it still survives in 21st century Portland. And not. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I think we do a pretty fucking good job. And that takes a lot of hard work from everybody, from me to Merrick mm -hmm. to, you know, everybody else that works there. Right. It's a team effort. And um, I don't know. That just kind of. <laughs> <laughs> kind of clearly that kind of annoys has, me a little bit. It has nothing to do with how we look. It has nothing to do with sitting around reading comics all day. Right. It is it is an actual job. I mean, you know, this is I feel lucky in that we have never we have very low turnover at the store. Mm -hmm. Um I like to think I, you know, pay my employees pretty well and they have a decent enough working in, work environment. Mm -hmm. Uh the other thing is we also have never done a thing where it's like hey we need somebody to work send us your resume we have basically handpicked right everybody yeah, yeah. um and God, I, could, I can't even imagine sorting through the resumes that we'd get if you if by chance uh, we ever posted like hey a comic workshop that's hiring like I mean, how many resumes would you get thousands still, how many resumes do we get now oh gosh over over the course of a weekend at least two per weekend well yeah but then more during the week too. yeah probably so, another couple during the week so in a month we probably get yeah 20 or 30 oh yeah Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Oh no, it's it's really and it's got to be. Well, and I think what prompted the question was, again, because um, you know I'm curious. I'm you know I'm curious about the day to almost like the day to day reality of uh, of working in let's just say uh, your particular your particular kind of boutique in the in the environment that is uh, again you know. Uh, 21st century portland even after you know, because pop culture changed and doing everything else and so the door the door to genre you know nerd shit and genre entertainment has opened wide enough that you get a lot more people in here yeah. but because it's 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 the thing there's still a 
I don't know. It's kind of there's. I don't want to necessarily say a stigma, but there's still kind of like certain kind of people who are, you know, at some point who get attracted to nerd to nerd shit who still have the personality problems. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so it's so it's got to be a thing where yeah, you as a talented person are able to you know help make the stuff run, still getting kind of and even in you know the changed environment that is Mississippi's, um, you know, the Mississippi district still. Um, and like I said, changed Portland, like getting, you know, getting super sketch customers. Right. Well, and thankfully at this point in uh, our culture at large in America, mm. we are currently post uh, fake nerd girl hashtags and we are post Gamergate. And it is pretty well recognized that women and however you identify it, and all right. people have a place in comics, in nerdery, in video games and all of that. Right. So. I, I don't think that I will ever see the rate of people coming in being like, oh, my God, a girl in a comic book shop that I did five years ago or that I would have 10 years ago or 30 years ago. I, I hope that we are past that for the most part, right. but it still happens. It's honestly nine times out of 10 when it does happen now. It's an older man who comes from a different era of culture where that is... Uh, a completely innocuous thing that you mildly flirt with the person and, and yeah. sweetheart. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, doll face. Yeah, doll face. Doll face. <laughs> Shit, we ought to bring doll face back. Not in like a creepy sexual way, but I'll call you doll face. Should we just call each other doll face from now on, Jeremy? Sure. What's up, doll face? You got it, doll face. <laughs> yeah, we're taking back the word. Do it. Okay. Yeah, I'm kind of curious. What? Um, <laughs> how could you get doll face tw- uh, trending? As like a tag, uh, a tag on uh, on any particular network is I don't know. Have a TV, <laughs> have like a have a have like a popular cult t- TV show called that. Maybe they don't get a weird weird catchphrase. Do you want to hear a dumb story? I got oh, a dumb yeah. story for you. Worth yeah, worthwhile dumb stories. Yeah, well, you know, are, are any dumb stories worthwhile? But, oh, excellent. So, so this is a this is a meme actually that actually happened. In our store. <laughs> a meme that happened in our store? Yeah. Wow. Well, it's kind really of a meme. I mean, like, you look at me like I should know, but there are so many dumb stories that we have. Oh, the, one, the one that I told okay. you about Okay, yes. So, yes. So one of our employees, newish employee, uh, young woman, very, very nice, um, lovely. Very familiar with comics. Very familiar too. with comics. Well, yeah, of course. Of course, she works for us. Yeah. We, we don't hire dipshits. No. For the most part, <laughs> that was me. <laughs> there's a couple. <laughs> there's a couple in the history. But, yeah, as far as you know, yeah. Um. <laughs> And so this is, I don't know, five, six months ago, something mm-hmm. like that. And uh, one of our regulars comes in, nice guy, um, and he goes to buy some books or a book. I don't remember the exact. And he pulls out some $2 bills. Okay. And she looks at these and she's like, um, I don't I don't think we can take these. And he was like, what are you talking about? And she's like, I just don't think we can take these. There's an ATM up the street. Like, like I take a card. Or if you want to go to cash, there's an ATM up the street. Mm-hmm. And then she had contacted you. Yeah. Was that? Yeah. After the fact, I believe. <sighs> so I think uh, he still ended up paying in credit because he had that on him. But yeah. he just had some, you know, some doubles. <laughs> yeah. She had never seen a $2 bill before. So all those fucking things you see on, you know, you'd go to a Wendy's and you try and buy a Frosty with a $2 bill. That shit is real sometimes. Yeah. It's yeah, it's at some point it's almost like like a, you know, a real not just a real life meme or a, a real life New York Times op-ed column hand wringing about youth, the, you know, the youth right. of today. Right. They don't know about the $2 bill. They've never seen a Susan B Anthony coin before. Yeah. 
Uh, anyway, what I don't know. that voice? Where I did thought, that come from? That was my 1940s announcer. I like it. Breckenridge. Um... So anyway, I don't know. Okay, I, th- I thought you get a chuckle out of that. that yeah, that's pretty. Uh, was, that's that's different. That's, yeah. It was just like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, it happens. We we. I don't know. I've done dumb shit too. So I mean, I don't even know necessarily. It's dumb shit. It's just one of that. It's that weird, starkly like generational thing. Like, you just, think it's a generational thing? I don't know. I mean, I. You I know. was thinking perhaps it was regional because she's not from the West Coast originally. Well, fuck, I'm not from the West Coast originally. I mean, I, I used know, to get two dollars. So. Oh. <laughs> there it is. The, the history of two dollar. Well, yeah, his, two dollar bills were all. It was much more. I think. I mean, for the longest time, the last time they got printed was like what nineteen seventy six. They had like a whole, really? a whole crap load of them because like, for a while they were only. You know, there are several. I mean, there. Yes, there are several devices in this room that we could probably find out the history of right now. But <laughs> you know, that you know why. Um, you know why find out information when you can speculate. Mm. But I just remember them being like all these like you know these Jefferson nineteen seventy six series two dollar bills, um, and even encountering because I, I didn't grow up in the West Coast. I you know, I'm from the, I'm from the Flint, Michigan. So, and even once yeah. in a while they would still you'd still encounter in there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, My I grandfather used... was a baker, a, a baker, a banker, uh, <laughs> very similar, but not, um, international, and... uh, ba- international <laughs> baking conspiracy. Yeah. Right. 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 And there, would there you was say a... he raised you? See, it works. Like if you played cards, they raise you like I, money I or raise you like, like I don't bread. Have a, I need to, he kind of did though. I need, I need so. a sound effects machine yeah. attached to this thing. <laughs> <laughs> With, womp, womp. Or would that um, have been a fart noise? <laughs> But so he uh, he worked uh, as a banker for most of his life, and he actually had a framed picture of he and the bank's president. He worked for uh, First in First National. Bank. Norman Rockwell. No, um, wait, he's a painter. The, the bank that eventually became he Wells Fargo. Mm-hmm. He worked for that bank, and it was a picture of him and the bank's president, Mr. Fargo. Sure, but it was not um, <laughs> holding the first two dollar bill to come through the bank, and it was like a big deal. And they took a picture of it, like holding this little bill, and yeah. and he collected weird points of currency, two dollar bills, and Susan B. Anthony's and other strange coin ephemera. So like, I was super aware of two dollar bills because I would get a stack of fifty of them for yeah, Christmas, fifty or cent pieces, or I get Damn. I get savings bonds for Christmas. Uh, like, oh man, I still have some fucking savings bonds. Shit, yeah, yeah. Girl. yeah so interest on those is probably okay. Yes, it's all right. Not great. Maybe I should cash them in before the election. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> no, you just got to write. It's kind of thing that's like, no, you can't treat your bond. You have to, you know, let it ride out. It's uh you know you do you have to let it accrue its full amount yep. mm-hmm. or else you're really cutting yourself short on that it's true but what if you die tomorrow can i have your savings bonds yeah just well them to me uh, um yeah. 18 million sure. non-negotiable better bonds you yeah. could be you could you could die tomorrow I could. Trust me, you could die tomorrow. Do you have a business card? <laughs> what was your name again? Oh, bring it back. Bring it back. I love it. I love it. Um, I think, honestly, and speak, speaking back to what you were asking about how the mainstreaming of nerd culture mm-hmm. has has impacted the comics business, the worst thing to me, and it just raises my fucking hackles every time, is when, and it's a dude, it's always a dude, when he walks into the store and he's like, hey, Bazinga! Oh. I'm like... No, and then he he asks um, 
what's the guy's name? The, Sheldon? Sheldon. And he's like, where's Sheldon? I expected to see Sheldon here. I'm like, there's no Sheldon that works here. Oh, well, but Bazinga, right? And I'm like, no. And so they, it, just, they just look at me like, but you know what I'm talking about, right? I'm like, I know what you're talking about. And that's a completely unrealistic representation of the culture that you are currently present in. Yes, yeah, so, sir. You do know that the reason why he only, there's a reason why he only wears shirts featuring DC properties, right? Because mm. of the, uh, the WB ownership of the show. Yeah. Oh, oh man! But it gets me every time. I just want to, want to choke him a little. I just, I hate it. I don't think it's a little. I think it's a lot. I want to <laughs> choke him a lot. It's a dumb word. You can set him on fire. Could I? Well, you know, I can't on give the, you permission in the courtyard. In the on the sidewalk. <laughs> yeah. Not in the store. Not in the store. I like the um. What was it? the the response? One of the responses to the show. I think it was like a was it a piece on Gawker? But it was something of like this is um. You know, um, you should call, you know, you, you know, you should call your parents more often because this is how they think you and your friends are. <laughs> and it's kind of this, it's the, um, it's God, the sh- my mom watched that show. So she probably did think that's what my life was like. It yeah. is the, yeah, it's the kind of the, things. yeah, it's the C, it's the CBS watchers idea about people who inhabit, um, you know, subculture. Right. Which, although bri- bridging that into, bridging that into a slightly larger topic, one of the. I guess one of the problems that I have with, I guess, yeah, because that there are still plenty of people who inhabit and share and spread and manufacture, really need to get some more Marxist thought in here, and manufacture nerd culture. But there is, not just as people talked about, there is still the um, the old, the way that the defensiveness that people treat, um, you know, their fandom with of it's like still operating out of a point of scarcity as if we, if we don't, if we don't, <laughs> if we do not support this thing, i.e. consume, it is going to go away right. because we're only, you know, we are only getting one John, one, you know, it's, it's you know, 1982 and we're only, we're only going to get one John Carpenter film every two years right. or this kind of a thing. But there's a, and I listen, like I said, I listen to a lot of podcasts, thus my decision to actually make one, but between how people talk and how people, there is a, a lack of awareness of, Call it the mechanisms of that. The you know one of the reasons why I think one of the reasons why I think nerd culture became like the thing that was that was so successful is that after decades, company you know companies who actually manufactured this stuff realized that nerds had the most predictably monetizable <laughs> habits, mm-hmm. and this just in, at some point if you just you know churn that shit out and and it's kind of like it's why one of the reasons why you know. Entertainment and video games are, are as big as they are. It's like you turn that out and people just equally, you know, you are enabling someone's fandom. But it's a, um, I think my problem with it, and I'm poorly articulating it here, probably because I haven't had enough to drink yet, that there is an unself awareness as to, like, I want to say almost like the, uh, the process that, um, you not that not that your fandom is being enabled, but it's kind of like, you know, they are, they are moving, they are selling you the product of your addiction. Yeah. yeah, and it's the it's it's almost like I want to say like the uncritical embrace, or at least at some point there, there is a um, it's very rare to encounter anyone talking about like geek culture, but with a sense of how cult you know kind of like culture as a thing that's being manufactured as like for like Luke Great is a great example of a stuff of. Um, you know, fun, and I say this, you know, with the action figures and Legos mm-hmm. and shit everywhere, of stuff that is, um, you know. These the manufactured stuff that you know can get sent to you. You know, like you're supply, you're buying a a thing to um, 
I don't know. It's almost like fandom as, fandom as only consumption, not as as making as DIY making it yourself. Right. You you you're. I think the point that supports you is the preponderance of loot crate and, and all of those things. Knockoffs, yeah. Similar knockoffs because it's like, hey, we're gonna send you a box of nerd shit. You give us twenty bucks a month, yeah, undifferentiated nerd shit. You don't know what it is, right? We're gonna tell you. We're gonna give it to you, and they have Firefly loot crates and Marvel loot crates. Or, so it's curated. You're you're buying into a, a curated selection sampling of yeah, not. It's but it's not. That's it's, the thing. But it's random chose, shit. But somebody chose those specific items to include. But what? Okay, so I think you can maybe we can get into the the process behind choosing that mm -hmm. is it we think somebody's really gonna like this t-shirt or right. we really think somebody's gonna like this thanos oven mitt or is non it like non oh, non-functional but you're not supposed to use it yeah as it's an oven not, mitt. it is a non-functional oven mitt yeah because, because the materials cannot handle oven temperatures yeah so is it a cosplay mitt no it it was a legitimate can but I, then people started using it, and it started fucking melting and setting on fire. Yeah, I kind of want to cosplay like kitchen housewife Thanos now, though. Like get the apron and a nice oh full God. skirt, and just the oven mitts that are non-functional, but you like carry around brownies and stuff. Fucking that would genius. be cute. It's Go for it. See, see there. Yeah. You got to just make it work. Yeah. If you're just going to buy into it like that, you <laughs> yeah. gotta gotta make the most of it. Yeah. Yeah, and part of I think part of the other, and again, this might even go to like how twenty first century American culture is bought and sold now. But it's a sense of that um, nerd uh, that's you know it's like identity. When we're getting into all sorts of topics that I am woefully unread about of like you know identity through consumption, but like to be in, you know to be uh, an active you know an active fan you know nerd geek whatever active fan of the shit. But there is a I want to say it's almost like a bounded set of subjects about which, um, about which you know this kind of stuff is encouraged and sold to you. Like only okay, only you know only like fantasy and sci-fi trappings or horror, as opposed to say being really into origami, or um, you know being really into say you know eighteenth um, century clarinets. Mm -hmm. Um, or <laughs> wow. either, or you know the kind of thing. It's yeah. like the the kind of stuff that you can be a. Um, that being a you know that you know geek shit and nerd shit we're only about certain kinds of genre trappings sure but not in and but it almost like, it's almost like circumscribed that it it can't it doesn't um that for whatever reason maybe it's just because of uh marketing models are are the most mature for you know selling these kind of things to people and it always is one of the things that, that always just kind of bothered me about it was that um this was the you know only this kind of narrow uh this kind of narrow bit of of you know nurture was was all that was promoted and talked about when there's like a thousand one things that you can be you know mm -hmm. freak out about like you sure. know the napoleonic era uh history well i mean you could look at something like knitting right I mean, there are huge knitting right. nerds. If you and want that to call totally that. blew up like fifteen years ago, I think. Wow, uh, however long. I think yeah, ten to fifteen years ago, the the knitting scene literally blew up and went crazy, and stitching bitches were yeah. popping up all over the right. place, mm -hmm. uh, and and book deals too about knitting cool shit and and knitting dolls, and now you can buy patterns for knitting cosplay or knitting yeah. tiny Deadpool ornaments and saw, weird things like that. I so. saw at uh fuck, what was it just recently? Oh, Rose City. I think it was at Rose City Comic Con. Somebody had knitted router cozies. 
Yep. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, no. One of this was the one uh, I on the one that I saw. I was not able to make it to Rose City Comic Con because I was volunteering at the XOXO Fest. Oh, okay. Where at part of one of them was a if not knitted at least. Um, God, what is it? What uh, not needlepoint? It is the uh, where you like so yacht. Yeah, cross stitch. Where you sew yarn into like the plastic patterns, and oh. they made what appears to be a router cozy. As I'm showing, oh, as I'm yeah. visibly showing, yeah, there. that it, that oh, looks like cute. a picture. This yes. was yeah. This was the um. This was uh, attached to a um. This was a, attached to an NES, so they yeah. made a, a a wire a wireless available at NES. But it really was a router cozy. Problem being is that most uh, digital electronics are things you do not want to keep warm. No. <laughs> you don't want them to in be fact, cozy yeah, at in, all. In fact, yeah, you know, they build fans and, you know, your router and your hub, a lot of them have vent holes and small fans in there for a reason. Yeah. But... I'm going to make an engine cozy for my car. Well, there you go. Yeah, see? Hey, it'll work out well. It's like, yeah, well, hey, it'll, it'll work out. It'll, um, works well in the winter instead of, like, having a little engine block plug. That's true. So, you know, to kind of get back to your point, though, I... You know, it's something, I don't know, it just feels like it's always been going on. And it's, I feel, in some ways, getting a little worse. You know, marketing teams are identifying mm-hmm. what people have money right, and what they want to spend money on. And, uh, hey, you know, hey, here's comic books and here's action figures and Lego minifigs and all this other shit. Or it's yarn and knitting needles or, mm-hmm. you know, it can't really be 18th century clarinets because they're not fucking making those anymore. Right. They're making 21st century clarinets. Um, I think it's always going to be, we just happen to be under the thumb of it right now, which, Mm -hmm. you know, that's also not necessarily a bad thing. I was talking with somebody about this recently when I was younger, there was virtually no scarcity. There was, well, there was scarcity on TV. So it gets back to that point of, I had, I watched mutant X (laughs) because, because I was like, shit, this is a comic book based TV show. It sucks ass. Came out like what oh three or but you need to support I think it was it. earlier than that. But yeah, you need to support it. And now I don't need to. I don't have to watch a fucking movie if I don't want to. I used to. I saw you know everything. I saw Doctor Giggles. <laughs> I saw. Uh, hey, I know. will not have you. Uh, I will not have you uh, 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 dump on the good name of the late Larry Drake. <laughs> oh, oh, Benny. Um, but you know, there was that scarcity and it's like, shit, I have to support this stuff. Yeah, and they, now they don't need my fucking money. The Avengers uh, doesn't need me to go see the movie. Yeah. The the, that's the thing is like the, the, a certain, yeah, the, the, that, that era of the mid nineties, um, the, the era of the mid nineties where, yeah, we went, you know, uh, God, what did we see? Uh, Judge Dredd in the theater. Hell yeah. We'll do that. Sure. Johnny Mnemonic. We saw it just, you know, with, with no idea about any sort of, um, any sort of thing. It was like, Hey, look, you know, sci-fi shit. Here we go. Yeah, I want to get online. I need a computer. Cause it was the only like sci-fi shit uh, that, that was going to be out in the, for like a handful of weeks. See, but even then, if you, if you look at like the crow, not a lot of people knew that was based on a comic. I mean, I think they mm-hmm. did afterwards, mm-hmm. but like Men in Black, huge motion picture based because on a it comic. Was Will Smith and, and even Tommy Spawn. But yeah, that's there true. were a Spawn. lot of people that loved the Spawn movie and did not know it was based on a comic. Like, yeah. like it's always been around, and we're just at a point in our culture that uh, I think we've we've hit a point in what's been created that essentially the tub is overflowing. Right. Yeah. And there is so much out there that it can't help but bleed into those more regularly commodified mediums. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's a point of accessibility, but also at the same time, 
geek culture has always been very welcoming. And, you know, you say like, oh, I like this thing. And somebody's like, you like that thing. I like this thing. Did you know this about it? Wow, I didn't know that. And so you get to have a conversation. Right. And if that conversation starts with a T-shirt, that's fine. Mm -hmm. If it starts with a cosplay, that's awesome. If it starts with buying a comic book, great. Right. Yeah. But every everything at this point in our American culture can be bought and produced in mass sort of a right. thing except mm -hmm. for those conversations right. except for your personal energy that you invest in it hmm. which is part of what comic book shops are still around for is to have those conversations yes. right i mean yeah you can you can you can come into our store we'll sure. sell you whatever you want yeah but you can get it cheaper on amazon mm -hmm. but jack it off BitTorrent. yeah you can exactly you can take jack you can jack jack it off BitTorrent. <laughs> It sounds slightly erotic. Um, what, 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 what possibly erotic thing could, could be involved or transferred through BitTorrent? I don't know what the hell you're you talking about. Have you seen BitTorrent lately? It's not the, the sexiest it, UI. It was, it was more the jack-off part. But uh, the... Um, fuck. Totally, now, now I'm thinking about <laughs> jacking off. Shit. <laughs> um, jacking off in a comic book store. Who you know? But you can... But, you know, you come in for the experience. Right. Same way, you know, you can buy a fucking record off of eBay or whatever. Mm -hmm. Or you could go to a record store and hopefully have a conversation. Right. Um, and that's what those those dudes shouting bazinga at me are hoping for. They're hoping for that experience that they see on television. Right. And and nobody nobody's going to get that. When they shout that at me, I'm going to judge them. But... You know, I'm still gonna like try to engage them into what's actually happening in that space if, if mm -hmm. they want that. Because yeah, right. if, if they do want it, yeah, I've had pe I've encountered people who like, oh, hey, there's a comic book store. Let's go in the comic book store, oh, and they don't sure. give a fuck about comics. They just want to say, hey, I went into a comic book store. Yeah. But yeah, if you can open up that door and have that conversation and be like, fuck, what movies do you like? What TV shows do you like? What books do you like? Well, here's a book. Yep. That you will enjoy. Yep. Here you go. So. That's that's the space that we inhabit, and luckily in Portland, even though there's a dozen comic book shops in Portland proper now, um, we've all managed to carve out our own little niches, mm -hmm. and people still appreciate it, and they're willing oh, yeah. to pay, you know, 10 bucks or 15 bucks for a graphic novel instead of 12 or 9 or 8 on Amazon, mm -hmm. right? because, you know, you can see my enthusiasm, <laughs> right? and you can hear it in my voice when I'm telling you about how fucking much I love black science. Or something, one of the, or a book like that. Mm -hmm. you know? God, Black Sands got so depressing at certain points. Is that someone like Jesus Christ? Remember, you don't you don't have to like continue like go like that bleak. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. Like that bleak that much that often with such a you know with a cool idea and it just I don't it, I don't know maybe it's because I, I shotgunned like three of the trades. Oh Jesus, and it's That's a lot. Yeah, and it's, it's like yeah. Mm -hmm. although, it's easy to get burnt out on like anything else yeah it's the although i will my personal consumption habits are that i um i am still i still won't really buy god like the vast majority of of for lack of a better word you know big two trades because their pricing scheme is still horrible yeah compared compared to uh i think the only main what Vertigo, maybe Howard the Duck, Squirrel Girl, a couple like a couple titles, but most of it is like no, screw this. You know, Image and the Dark Horse is a little bit better, and you know, owning all the other ones is. To, yeah. I you know I primarily um, I guess I think part of it is just due to their pricing structure. I primarily and also the number of titles. I primarily go for um, you know go for Image trades. Well, you know, an image is a whole different kind of thing too. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want Superman or Batman or Spider Man or Captain America, sure. 
Okay. You're going to pay $25 for that first volume, though. Yeah. Well, sure. 20 25 yeah. bucks. Um, You know, even a Hellboy will run you 18 something like that. That's a great book, though. I would always recommend Hellboy or The Goon or whatever else. But, you know, Image has that program where it's basically 10 bucks for that first volume for four or five issues. So it's cheaper than buying the issues. And it's a great entryway mm-hmm. into that series. And, like, today I had a woman come in. She said she was taking a flight. I showed her four different Image books. Black science lazarus profit volume one i forget what the fourth one is but they were nine bucks each she spent 40 bucks she was happy as a clam she was thrilled to have four books to take on her flight with her right and that's 40 bucks which is not crazy it's you know two twenties it's easy enough relatively affordable and uh you know maybe if she likes two of those she'll come back and get subsequent volumes too so i had a point there somewhere Then you had Fright Night, another vampire movie, right? Which we, which the um, that's the thing. Growing up, I was dumb enough to, dumb enough to listen to my dad and to be and to like be scared about the be more scared of the idea of horror films than the actual films itself, right? And I think, and the film that broke that for me was Aliens. Holy shit! Mine was Alien. My brother rent he got it, and my brother worked at the local library, and he that was when they first started getting VHS tapes you could borrow, mm-hmm. and he borrowed it, and I was 11 years old, and he was watching it in the living room, and I sat down and I watched it with him, and the part where Harry Dean Stanton uh, and what's his name, the black guy, yeah, that Cotto. with the uh, chains, they were like yeah. walking around, and I was like, fuck it, I'm out. I can't do it. It's like, I can't watch this. And I yeah. swear to God, I did not watch it for at least another five or six years. I was probably 16 when I actually popped it back in and was able to watch it. I have still never seen the movie Gremlins to completion. Really? Yeah. Like, uh, we tried, my mom and I tried watching that when I was very young, like eight or something. And mm. I, I couldn't, I couldn't finish it. And a few years later, you know, I'm 11, maybe we tried it again. I couldn't finish it. <sighs> You want to borrow I, it? I got the DVD. I, I, I mean, it's probably on Netflix too, right? It's oh, almost October. This shit's all over the place. But I've, I've never finished Gremlins. It just freaked oh. me out. <laughs> it actually caused this extreme paranoia that I had throughout most of my childhood and some of my young adulthood that there would be like if there was a low ledge under something like a couch or a bookcase or whatever that something was going to jump out and grab my foot and pull me under and eat me. Sure. Like legit fear and I would run past things or hop or keep my feet up. So like, you, it was terrifying. So it's a good thing you never saw Pet Cemetery at an, impress- at an impressionable age. I did not. No. No, I think the movie that broke me of my horror genre fear was Hellraiser. Oh my god. Yeah. Hellraiser, yeah. I have never actually seen that all the way through but then again, I think mainly it is a um for me it's a gore thing. Because I I do not like on screen gore mm-hmm. unless it is it's you hit the um you hit the Sam Raimi factor yeah. where gore goes for, it's like gore and pain at a certain point it turn you, when you turn it to slapstick yeah. then it's like oh hell yeah bring this on right. see and I'm uh. so comfortable seeing that because I I have a modicum of biological awareness of of. Uh, like from dissecting animals and stuff. So mm-hmm. I'm you mean very... at school, right? Right. Okay. Yeah, at Ooh. school. Yeah. Not <laughs> not school. like some serial killer <laughs> shit. <laughs> at school, part of my education. Um, so I'm very comfortable seeing some person get flayed. That's fine. So but... it's been a while since I've seen Hellraiser. Right. But 
the first one, I don't recall there being a lot of blood and gore. I mean, there was the no. guy who got flayed, the guy yeah. skin yanked off. But and that that's most of it is the pain that he is right. enacting on but, that. But there was not like in the subsequent ones, there was a lot. Oh, well, we're gonna fucking torture you, and we're gonna yeah. pull your teeth out, and blah blah. blah. But it's but the in tension. That, but in the first one, yeah, it was much more psychological. Mm -hmm. I thought so. Mm -hmm. Good, I'm not crazy. Thank no. you. I don't. I yeah. I've yet to see a, a Hellraiser all the way through. I um, but. See, Gremlins, yeah, Saw Gremlins. No, the film that's the, the other, you know, a whole other show topic of horror films that you saw way too young that kind of screwed through your head. Mine was um, the Terror at 30,000 Feet sequence from Twilight Zone, the Ooh, film. Yeah, that's such a classic one. Hey, you, you want to see something really scary? You bet. Really? Yeah. Okay, this is, this is really, really scary now. Saw that when I was... Shit, seven or eight, I think. Yeah, seeing the monster on that, uh -huh. and that you know, who directed that sequence? Was that Toby? Who who, who directed? Does anyone remember? Who, no. It wasn't John Landis. It was um, I can't remember who did that. Who did who shot that sequence? But just the monster design just freaked the shit out of me, like in the uh, and to the point where I don't. I'm trying to remember. I've never. I yeah. I have not. I haven't re re revisited the film at all since. I think I saw. Remember, I remember in the dorm TV, like clicking on and watching it, like, oh, okay. But you just clicking back, and then like, okay, well, you can, you know, wow, it's a cool practical effect. But it's, um, but yeah, the way it's shot, the way it, all the, you know, you, you know, just terrorizing, um, oh yeah, you know, terrorizing of uh, way young me, which is part of things. Like, okay, yeah, or you know, uh, over growing up with like overactive imagination was. Um, God, I can remember seeing the uh, watching Close Encounters with my parents, and at one point, this was like I was six or something. Then being afraid to go back, at, going back down into our basement to get something because I thought I was scared that something was down there. And <laughs> I can remember my dad, my dad at the, uh, he said, "Go down there," you know, just it's late, you know, at night, just kind of being exasperated with whatever I was freaked out about. And, right. But face your fears, boy. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Media, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Media, media infused um, childhood growing up. So wonderful. All right. Uh, so in an attempt to wrap, start wrapping this up. Hell, let's just do what's that? Comics. Yeah, comic stuff. <laughs> comics. Um, where do you see the comic shop, uh, comic shopness going in this foul year of our Lord, uh, 2016 and beyond? Okay. Better or worse? Um, better, worse, different, continuing the same. When and if the superhero implosion comes. And I'm kind of wondering if I, it's like I don't know. I don't think it actually will. I think it, I think it might. I think the the bubble will break at least in America, but not everywhere else. Perhaps on the movie front, yeah, movies the film and television, part. but in comics, like superheroes aren't going anywhere. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's I, it's going to be interesting because what we're seeing now is another generation of kids growing up. You had the you know you had the manga generation, right? Uh, and it feels like a lot of those readers are sidling into image type books yeah. mm -hmm. saga yeah. monstrous etc you know these particularly females kind of going from being 8 9 10 11 12 to now 10 years later in their early 20s looking for something um yeah it's like here this thing called 90s vertigo yeah exactly um and then behind them is this group of kids who grew up with reading comics like we used to except mm -hmm. they grew up reading graphic novels for the most part reading Raina Telgemeier and Ra exactly Bone and, <laughs> and Mouse Guard yeah. and yeah so you know it's gonna be interesting um I'm hopeful 
you never know what the future is going to hold. Right. But Powell's continues to truck along while Barnes and Nobles are closing left and right. Amazon's mm-hmm. opening up their their store in Tigard next year. Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So we'll I don't think see. it was I didn't know I had heard that they were that they went brick and mortar. Yeah. But I didn't think that one why the hell of course they would. That yeah. one was going to hit that close that soon because it's something you don't yeah. you that you think they'd only do it in like certain like malls in like San Fran or LA or anything, but no, it's they, one had, thing. they have one in Seattle, I believe. Yeah, that was so. the first one, and I think there's at least one in California, or there's mm-hmm. going to be more. Uh, yeah, but Tiger next year somewhere, which is interesting because I kind of feel like that was very specific because mm-hmm. you'd think, why the fuck would they put it in Tiger instead of Portland? But it's a good way, Powell's, yeah, yeah. I mean, they probably they probably don't people people driving up from uh more southern parts of oregon to visit portland definitely yeah can kind of hit it on their way in sort of a thing yeah. all those wilson all those wilson uh, villagers yeah, yeah exactly. and salem too all yeah beavertonians mm-hmm. um uh, i don't know i feel like gosh and i totally just like brain farted but i was gonna say what do i feel like oh so uh a few years back when digital comics were becoming a thing mm-hmm a lot of people were coming in and it became one of those conversations that I dreaded and it was exhausted of having with people like, well, aren't you afraid that digital comics are going to kill the print comic market? No, I'm not. Uh, radio is still around. Music videos still exist. Television is still a thing. Like mm-hmm. no new format kills its predecessor. It simply forces them to do better, which is fine. Uh, and digital comics did not kill print comics print comics are doing great as you compare from a few years ago we've got far more uh far more creators on hand a lot of different types of stories so mm-hmm. i'm not worried that print comics are going anywhere i just saw a uh, article that said digital comics saw a decrease yes yes yeah. they did the because it time. was like a fad and everyone was buying into it and they were like, oh, yeah, I can finally read comics digitally and I don't have to buy them in print. Right. You go and you look at digital comics and they're still three bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah the you're price point new, is insane. And, yeah. you're, and you're spending the same amount of money. But if if your curiosity is their collectability, well, you're not going to get that. Well, and a lot of people are still trying to get into comics for their collectability and for accruing value. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, oh, thought- yeah. Wow, I think I guess well, I guess variant covers as I think I think variant covers is um I think I guess variant covers would be the uh, like the most obvious aspect of that. You but. know, but also a lot of there's a lot of stuff right now, um, specifically around things that get optioned. Mm. Something gets optioned, like for instance, Suicide Squad. Right when Suicide Squad came out, you know, everybody was digging up those issues of the new Suicide Squad number one from the new Fifty Two. And mm-hmm. those were going for crazy amounts of money on eBay. Seriously? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Check out those completed auctions, my friend. <laughs> There's a lot of weird shit going on out there. I was going to say, I still need to... Uh... Okay, where is it? I got my New Mutants 98. Oh, uh, oh I see it hiding back there. Should have sold I... the shit out of that, man. I think that window's closing. A little bit. That's that's a book that's always going to be worth something, yeah. I think. It's, but it's kind of a thing where it's, like, it's one of the, it's, yeah, the... That and the... Right next to the... Uh... The uh, as we mentioned before, the Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> I had that fucking watch. The Dukes of Hazard uh, LCD LCD quartz watch that I I won from uh, because I think it was a um, either it was a prize I believe it was a prize for answering trivia questions at uh, at an event at the Star Theater around a Portland retro gaming expo oh, nice. uh, some years back and Billy Galaxy contributed that cool 
what do you think image moving here is going to change, if anything, or is it just going to, or is it more just kind of uh, uh, affirming that what Portland's been like the number two city for creators? It, 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 it is it already, or is it going to be? I, I know, think it is. Between, I don't know about between you and me. Since once once DC moved out of New York, right. It kind of felt like we were number one at that point. Mm-hmm. That's true. Because you got New York, and then you got, what, fucking Burbank. I think mm-hmm. they moved to Burbank. Right. And then there's Portland. With... I think Matthew Clark put it really well a few years back in an interview he did, and I can't remember what uh, what magazine he was speaking with, but essentially he said if a bomb went off in Portland, the comics industry would not recover. No. Absolutely. Uh, we we have enough relevancy that, that it would just screw everything over pretty horribly. Um I don't know, Image moving here. I'm hoping we'll get to do more signings with Image creators because they'll be coming through town. Maybe. I'll, at least I get to like meet them and say hi and I'd thanks. Love to. Yeah. I mean, I think there will be, you know, the interesting thing is I don't know how much of a benefit there will be to the fan community. Hopefully mm-hmm. there will be. Mm-hmm. Um, there may be a little bit more for us having them here and we can kind of express things to them and mm-hmm. they can call on us for advice and stuff. I mean, yeah, they're moving know. into Montgomery Park, aren't they? Yeah. Yep. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, cuz we have we have relationships like that with definitely with Oni. Mm-hmm. Um and Dark Horse to an extent, not as much. Um but I think I think there's value to being in a place for them surrounded by creators yes. as Portland, but also a retail community mm-hmm. cuz we have a very active and I think supportive and um, good, smart retail community here. We've got mm-hmm. tremendous shops, mm-hmm. wonderful shops, not just us. But the cumulative experience of all of the retailers in Portland, it's just mind-blowing. It, it, re- it honestly, not, you know, not to pat ourselves, break our arms, patting ourselves on the backs, <laughs> but I mean, you know, I've traveled around and I, there are absolutely good, a lot of good retailers in a lot of cities, but I kind of feel like Portland has such a concentration of it. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of dreck in this town as far as shops go. Yeah. So, do you guys have any particular recommendations, be they for new or worthwhile or overlooked comics and or other, call it other uh, worthwhile culture, you know, um, you know, you know, film record, take your pick or something you, something mm. you would, so, something new or worthwhile that you could, uh, that you could pitch to um, the Tens of people who are listening to this <laughs> podcast right now. Comics. That's hard. Well, you know, for me, um, just a couple couple of my favorites. Uh, I love the Blade of the Immortal series mm-hmm. from Dark Horse Comics. One of that's which is one of their that's one of their uh, manga imports, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and one of their oldest. And I mean, shit. There's thirty twenty nine volumes right now currently. So it's it's a bit of a commitment, but. One of my favorite books, um, it's about feudal Japan, and this young girl, her parents run a sword school, and a rival sword school comes in and says, hey, you're going to join with us, we're going to kill you. They say no, they get killed, except for the girl, and she goes on a quest for revenge, and she finds a guy named Manji, the girl's name is Rin, and... Um, he is a swordsman, and he has these bloodworm things in him. And a nun rescued him, gave him these bloodworms to heal him. And so now he's basically invulnerable. You can cut him and stab him and burn him and whatever, and he'll he'll regenerate, he'll heal. The immortal aspect of the title. The immortal aspect of the title. And to make up for killing 100 good men in his previous 
wife slash incarnation or whatever, he mm-hmm. promises to uh, kill a thousand bad men. So, hence the title of the first volume is called Blood of a Thousand, and he accepts uh, Rin's cry for help, and he goes to try and avenge her family. And it, it spreads out from there. It's wonderful. God, it's a wonderful story. It's, fair, it's fairly popular, but um, I think I feel like it gets lost in the shuffle a little bit. I'd also recommend Akira. Um, the movie was fantastic and amazing. I saw it when I was a kid, and I had no fucking clue what was going on. And then I read the manga, finally, when Dark Horse published it, and... In all, it's oh, it's amazing. It's mm-hmm. phenomenal. Um, I first saw the I first saw uh, I first saw the film on. I think I bought a I bought a dubbed copy, a dub of the streamlined dub, um, <laughs> a VHS at the Motor City Comic Con. I believe in ninety early ninety four. Um, but like, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, if you ever get a chance, look up online, look, it's probably on YouTube somewhere, but the, um, the very first kind of, uh, dubbed version of the film Akira, um, is just legendary for, well, they hadn't re- this was before, uh, you know, this was years before Dragon Ball and Pokemons and whatnot, but it was, so it was a thing where they really hadn't figured out the whole dubbing thing right <laughs> or at all. Um, and some of their choices are worthwhile. It's kind yeah. of, um, it's like uh, PlayStation, well, pre-PlayStation 1 era voice work. That's enough, Tetsuo. Are you trying to kill him? You got it! I'm going to wipe this guy all over the street! Get a hold of yourself! You start by stealing my bike and run it into the ground. So just cool it, okay? <laughs> Enough! They can't do this. Uh, for uh, for those of you who who's, uh, will understand that reference, hmm? Um, hmm. Hmm. I think one of my favorite comics that is difficult to recommend because it's so very unique, and you have to be a certain type of reader to really get into it is The Invisibles. By Grant Morrison, um, it's so it's so mind fucky, and not everyone wants to read a comic that's gonna fuck your mind that way. But it really gets to you after a while. Like I'm a big Matrix fan. Uh, yeah, the Wachowskis work in general. I I love following what they do with cinema, and there was a lot of uh, contestation over how the Invisibles inspired the Matrix, yeah, especially almost, for that original film. In fact, yeah. even at least, like, wasn't there a straight-out lawsuit? Yeah. Okay, cause, yeah, there yeah, was. <laughs> the Invisibles, I believe, another one of the golden era, well, golden era of 90s, of mid-90s Vertigo books. The Invisibles started in, the, what, 96, 97? It was already... It sounds about right. It was, I know it was already a thing by 98. Yeah. So it was one of the... It, yeah, it was... You look back now, and it very much is part of the melange of source material, I guess, oh, yeah. that, that that was drawn upon for The Matrix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But essentially, it, it deals with a group of uh, pra- pretty much anarchist agents who uh, can use their own awareness of reality to shift reality mm-hmm. because they understand that reality is not real. It's a, a presence that exists around you, but it is not you sort of a thing. And so they... they uh, are enacting wars and battles and espionage through uh, through very often mental efforts. Um, there's a lot of very mature themes throughout the book uh, in terms of what happens when you are traversing a realm that's 
that's purely mental based like if somebody else gets in your brain what can they do to you how can they affect you or infect you and what does that have what effect does that have in your actions following them like they leave a little bit of you inside them and and or a little bit of themselves inside of you and then that colors your actions moving forward so it deals a lot with uh very realistic concepts that i think everyone has dealt with in their life but in a completely different way that can I don't know. Gives you a different perspective yeah. on things, uh, but yeah, shit gets fucked up. <laughs> it's pretty fun. So that one, I think, Madame Xanadu is probably one of my favorite. Matt Wagner's Madame Xanadu. I love. I love that. That's yeah. such a weird book. Yeah, I, mean, I love remember. that you latched onto it. That's awesome. God, I'm trying to. Remember. When did that? When did that come out? That was. Uh, his run specifically was mid 2000s. Okay. I want to say around 2007 and 8-ish. I thought it, it's pre-New 52. Yes. Yes, because it ended around the time 52 was starting up. Um, but yeah, Madame yeah. Xanadu, she, she's like a... She's not a witch, per se. She's not a, a sorceress of sorts. That she uh, can do spells and works with nature and stuff to, to uh, shift things around. And she... Uh, it, the book follows her throughout history, so it starts kind of pre-King Arthur, moves mm -hmm. through her work in his court. She essentially moves around throughout time and is influential in a lot of different big historical figures and was their on-hand on psychic, essentially, guiding them and, and recommending, like, today is a good day to go to battle, which I know because I can see it through my tarot cards, sort of a thing. Uh, it's just very fun and esoteric and... It's pretty lighthearted for being a Vertigo series, I think. But And the art was always beautiful. Oh, my God. The art on that run was so good. How long did the run last? Five trades, I think. Oh, That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, towards the end, they started switching around to a few different artists and doing more, like, one-issue stories involving her, but not on a specific plot path. So it sounds, like the, it sounds like the last runs of Sandman, almost, yeah. in terms of... Uh, like when they would do one, the, like the little, like the for a while they'd do one offs every once in a while, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as well as uh, what varying up. I think what Sandman would what very, would Sandman vary up the artist per storyline or is it per year? I think it was a. I think it was. I want to say well, let's see. The first one was Sam Keith, right? And then I think it was st different story arcs, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, by story arcs. Yeah, because mm -hmm. uh, was it J H Williams? No, I don't know. Sorry. No, I think well, yeah, but he was definitely part of it. So. <clears throat> I would also recommend Fear Agent. I just kind of thought of that. I oh, love yeah. that book. It's a fun book. <laughs> I have the entire run of that over in the box right there. <laughs> that he just po he just pointed to a box. Yeah, he pointed, <laughs> yeah, a box in the other room. Yeah, Texans in Space. Have you read it? Oh, yeah. You did read it. Okay, good. I, um, more Rick Remender, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It is. It is. It's, uh, man, it's a fucked up book. It went in a lot of directions I did not expect. Yeah, especially near the end. It just got like, wow, this is... Um, yeah. Again, uh, two recommendations I have. One is an ongoing series from Image called Wayward. Yes. Which is... So fun. It is... I guess it's the story of you have this... Um, I believe she is half Japanese and half... Half Scottish? Half yes. Scottish or half Irish. But moves to... Scotland, Ireland. There's a bloody yeah. sea between them. <laughs> moves... Uh, parents are divorced. Moves to... Um, moves to... Uh, moves to Japan to live with her mom. Goes to... And goes to Japanese high school. But it is effectively... I think the... Um, 
the creators described it as it's very much like a Buffy the Vampire Slayer, only using Japanese folklore, yeah. not Western folklore. Yeah. Whereas Buffy, you had like you know vampires and monsters and demons. Um, in in Wayward, you have again you just kind of like a a, a team of a Scooby gang. Each of them have very kind of strange, they, they you know kind of a strange. Um, Effectively a superpower, but they fight uh, more of a Japanese pantheon yeah. of yokai and demons and take a pick. It is a it is a lot of fun. I remember the first issue, uh, or the first like arc, you know, and they mm-hmm. do that monster of the week sort of a thing. And the first monster of the week was Kappa. I was like, oh my god, it's like Kappa, and I'm sure everyone was going, oh, so like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? No, Kappa, different. <laughs> so it was really fun. I like recommending that to, to like teenage readers. Mm-hmm. Because it's still it's still mature enough that they feel like they're getting in some good fighting action in comics, but it's not like over the top gore extreme. Mm-hmm. And is entertaining enough that, um, yeah, it's just entertaining and compelling enough. I think the other for an older going back to an, an older, uh, if you want a full full series, only lasted what? Tw- yeah, twelve issues before it got discontinued. Again, it was a mid tooth for the very strange that strange period of Marvel in the mid two thousands. The book I'm going to recommend is called Next Wave oh. <laughs> by Warren Ellis. Next Wave is similar to Suicide Squad, only much more deliberately batshit and sarcastic. And it was kind of everything. It's like Warren Ellis taking um, a book with starring a group. Effectively, it is a group of like C and D list Marvel superheroes. Everything from a couple Avengers to. Um, a couple, a couple of the New Mutants X Force are in there, but it is effectively they they become space pirates and go off on dumb little adventures. Uh, and the just the number of jokes and overall properly derisive and snarky tone. Where it's, I mean, there's a lot of fun, but it's also it is very much it's like the. I don't want to say if it's necessarily want to say if it's Warren Ellis' statement on superheroes. I think it's just kind of a thing where he just said, you know, you know, F it, we're going to have a fun book. Yeah. And uh, it's out there. Yeah. Uh, Next Wave, Agents of Hate. Hate is H-A-T-E. Uh, or I should say, Hate is an acronym. I can't remember what the acronym stands for. But it is, um, it's great. Yeah, it's very much, hey, we got ourselves a, a spaceship and, you know, I should say this huge airship that they, they steal it, of course. And they be, and effectively go off on like madcap drunk piratey uh, superhero adventures. So there you go. My two recommendations. The, an ongoing series from Image called Wayward. And the like I said, 12-issue run, it's available at every, every... I think every shop in Portland has a trade of it. It uh, came out in like 06 or so called you know Next Wave, Agents of Hate by Warren Ellis. And I can't remember who did the art on it. Mm-hmm. All right. And that's that. Um, well, where can we... Let's see. Where can we find you guys on the internet? Or if you, for any comments, questions, or feedback, or you know, where where uh, yeah, where can we find you on the internet? <laughs> uh, BridgeCityComics.com is our website, and also check out our Facebook. Yep. It's just Facebook.com/slash BridgeCityComics. Bridge City yep. Um, the Twitter for Bridge City Comics is BridgeCityComx. Yep. So it's a little abbreviated there. Yeah. But all it's over the place. All over the place. You yeah. still got to do the Instagram thing. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> One day. Yeah. One you should day. get your own Twitter, too. I have my... No. Yeah, I guess I The just shop's just... Twitter is kind of your personal Twitter. I have my own personal Twitter. Oh, no, I know. I should have my own personal Twitter, but I don't check yeah. Twitter that much. No. I don't know. You Sorry. can follow me on Twitter. Just Merrick Monroe. Yeah. I'm around. 
I'm on the internet. She I'm is. cool. I'm hip. No, I'm not. Wow. Yeah. When you say it, it <laughs> stops. Yeah. It. Yeah. You re- well, yeah. It really underlines it. Yeah. It's, uh, you always have. To, yeah. My mom says I'm cool. Yeah. Tell, don't show. My mom says I'm very talented. Thank you. <laughs> Any, uh, anything? Anything you'd like to promote coming up? Oh. You yeah. say we're past Labor Day, so I'm on Labor Day sales, and there's no and Rose City is done. So well, you know, we there's a do. couple things. There's a, oh, a couple things. Yeah, I was just thinking of the one thing. Yeah, that I'm going to work on this weekend, but yeah. I can go. I can tell your listeners. So go right ahead. Tens of listeners, <laughs> certainly. Yeah, uh, there is a new book out that I absolutely love. It's called The Fix, and it's by Nick Spencer. He writes it. Steve Lieber, local mm-hmm. Portland guy, draws it. Uh, my buddy Ryan Hill lives here in Portland. He colors it. It's coming out through Image Comics. Uh, the first trade paperback collection just came out. Collects issues one through four, one through five. I don't yes, remember. Yes, four, I think. Um, and we are going to do a signing with Steve and with Ryan. Yeah. Excellent. On November. I don't remember the date. Damn it. Oh, Sorry. Crap. That's what the Facebook is for. I, <laughs> that, yeah, and I'm going to do an event for it this weekend. Um, it is, it's going to be fun. Uh, Steve is a fantastic artist. And Ryan is a wonderful, wonderful friend. I believe it is going to be on November 4th. That sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, Friday, November 4th. We'll, you know, it'll be on Facebook probably by the time anybody hears mm-hmm. this. Gotcha. Yeah, we do post in. events on Facebook. We also have a newsletter. It comes out every Sunday that you can sign up for through our website. There's mm-hmm. a link in the sidebar. Yes. And that contains not only our list of books that will be released on the upcoming Wednesday, but also like a few hot tips on events around town or anything that we have coming up in the shop. Yep. And also um, picks too. Yes. I, I do. We do picks. Uh, stuff stuff picks. you're excited for. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other event that I was thinking of was local comic shop day. Yeah. Did we figure out when exactly? <laughs> it's like November. It's the weekend before Thanksgiving, right? Oh, okay. All right. Because we thought it was going to be the same weekend as Black Friday, but it's not. It's right. the prior weekend to Black Friday right. in November. Yes. So November is going to be busy for us. So local comic book shop day, mm-hmm. for people who don't know. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a record store day. Publishers do a few different special collections, uh, a special hardcover or maybe oversized things. Ah, November 19th. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you. They so it is the Saturday, yeah, the Saturday before Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yes. Uh, essentially, it's it's special one day only available, maybe a trade paperback of something that's new that hasn't been collected previously or a fancy foil edition hardcover. Yeah. Uh They've done variants, special variant covers. There were a few treasury-sized edition comics that came out with the last year. I actually just saw the list today. Yeah. It's a long fucking list. Yeah. It's a long list. Um, So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of stuff. It'll be really cool. uh, And you know what? There's going to be a special... Doctor Strange hardcover, too. Nice, good. Yeah. So this is Just the second time. year for local time. comic shop day. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year was the inaugural event, and it was interesting since it was <laughs> it was not super advertised since it was so new and people weren't really sure what was going on. So we had this table set up that had all these special books on it, and people were like, what's going on here? Yeah. So it was... It was eh, but it was fun. I liked it. I liked the concept of it. Yep. It'll, it'll, it has a lot of potential to grow. It'll hopefully, you know, reach the same kind of, get the same kind of reach as Free, uh, free Comic Book Day. Right, yeah. In, but they're, that's kind of what they're going for, is something yeah. in between 
or, or at the halfway mark of Free Comic Book Day right. to help draw people in for that kind of a nationwide special event. Yeah. But these books aren't free. No, they no, are we not. Have to, you have to pay for, the, for, for these. They are, they are usually even more expensive than your standard comic book. Yeah. But if you're a collector, that's what you're in for. Yeah. So... It'll be worth checking out. So November, keep an eye on our Facebook page and our newsletter and and stuffs for good good things in November. Or come in and see us at three seven two five North Mississippi Avenue. <laughs> mm, what are our hours? Uh, they are mostly eleven till eight. Eleven to eight most days. Yeah, yeah. Except for Tuesdays and Thursdays. Most days. Yeah, we're around. We're there. Yeah, you can get in touch with us, Jeremy. If, hey, if Jeremy can find us, you can find me. Find us. And if you have any questions, comments. Um, Whatnot, you can reach the show on Twitter at giving the mic, all one word, or email us at giving the mic at gmail.com. So, um, after all that, well, thank you everybody for listening. Thank you, guys. Uh, thank you, Michael Merrick, for uh, graciously donating your Thursday evening to uh, whatever this thing it is that we sure. talked about. And um, <laughs> thanks a lot, ladies and gentlemen. Subscribe, blah, blah, blah. You know what? And uh, as always, stay demented. None of you guys listened to Doctor Demento, De- De- Demento, did you? Back, no, back in the day, yeah, I, I did. That's where I was first introduced to Weird Al Yankovic. My hero. His entry point into American fame. I really could not think of another like catch ending catchphrase for the end of a show or other than that. But <laughs> whatever. All right. Thanks. Good night. One of the weirdest things I saw visiting Mexico, mm-hmm. there is a franchised family, kind of like, uh, like an Uncle Mo's family feedback franchise fr- restaurant, fr- franchise restaurants, not series, chain. It's all superhero based. And it's one of the weirdest freaking things you ever want to see because you, <laughs> it's called Comics, C-O-M-I-C-X, but it's... Like they just they just took a random sampling of superhero stuff and tossed it into each restaurant. You walk in there and on up on the wall you have framed portraits of Alex Ross's portraits of like you know the uh, the original the original oh, like uh those like, are great yeah Green yeah. Lantern Black Canary all those, those yeah they're, yeah. they're framed portraits on the wall. There is a huge standing um, life size standing Captain America. You have uh, there's a wall the covered wallpaper that's all just like 60s Marvel stuff. You have life size statues of the Simpsons for some reason. <laughs> Fucking fantastic. Um, there is a there's a Hulk over here. You have there were several little like busts of like different Iron Man suits. You have a there's a Darth Vader in a Death Star um, Death Star window mock-up there. Mm-hmm. Why not? The it, it's it's one of just, it's like I said it's just one of the weirdest things that encounter like wait because it's it's like in America this thing would be so it's almost charming that the number of uh, of just IP they have just shoved it into this one right. shop. And it's like in America, like no, you'd you'd go. It'd be like a Marvel thing or a DC thing only. And <laughs> but yeah, no, and it's um, they're, they're a life size a life size 
statue of um, of the the latest Catwoman in there <laughs> with a little sign saying they please don't touch in Spanish. Um, I love it. It's like a, it's, but it's like a Chili's but without all the sports shit or an Applebee's. Or yeah. an Applebee's. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's exactly that. Oh, yeah. in I want the, to go there. So do I. The the best thing I want is to drink that margaritas here. The food is as mediocre as is yeah. any fine. American chain. Yeah. yeah, that's the one of the weirdest things is going. Um, when we, uh, the day our, our, the day job sent me to Saltillo, Mexico, and at the uh, the mall right by our hotel was one of the in there. I remember walking by that, and we're like, "Eh, screw it, let's eat, let's 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 eat in here just one night." And it was just like I said, it was just hilarious that wow, it's kind of like um, you know, even you know the kind of the uh, modern American style of like shitty corporate chains is in you know uh, like bland, with bland as hell food. You know, of course that's in Mexico, but it's just that this that the form it took yeah um so yeah, random yeah just ran like oh look a thor's hammer over here right next to i think there was like a collectible bust of either ultron or <laughs> ghost rider right next to um god i'm trying to think of oh in 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 the bathrooms you had um much like a instead of a sports bar having like you know like cheerleader or like you know a, you know attractively female uh fronted uh beer posters sure. you had like there's a you know, picture of of uh, Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow you had Olivia Wilde from Tron Legacy oh, and there so on one of the picture there was a there was a framed portrait of yeah a, a framed portrait of um a plastic man right by the bathrooms, and it's just, it's a weird rant because it's just weird random shit. Just like what? Okay, and then like I said, and the food is just like just you know hilariously bog standard. Um, you know, sure, oh, American Vlad. So yeah, the, road trip, comics. No, yeah, we gotta think, open our own. I think comics. The um, all of, you know, and all the major Who was that uh, guy that wanted to open a restaurant. Let's talk to him. Yeah, exactly. We could go and start a partnership. Get a little synergy going. Yeah. Um, the um. <laughs> Oh well, Don't I found one. I no. found the. I think I. I just found the. Uh, I found the the American. Um, the American listed. Uh, the I think they found the, the English language menu. That's not nearly amusing enough. Let's see if I can find out. The uh, was it? Was it shitty Mexican food or was it shitty American food? Both. Oh. Okay. Nice double header. I'm trying to remember what the. Um, uh, okay, I'll look it up later. I can't remember what the um, there's what the tagline. It's something like you know where the where the superheroes eat in Spanish. You know, sure. But there you go. It's pretty strange after that. Yeah, <laughs> no, right. No, Les. Come on now, tell us the rest. I really don't know how to describe it. It was like the turkeys mounted a counterattack. <laughs> it was almost as if they were organized. <laughs> As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. 